Hello. Is this Mr. Mason? I'm here. Howdy, Mason. How you doing today, brother? Not bad at all. How about you? Uh, not bad myself. Uh, got a couple of uh, family things that have happened today. Pretty big. Um, but, I mean, other than that, we're doing pretty well. I'm getting a notification that Mr. Dark is running into some technical difficulties. Um, and we're just waiting for Dugan to hop on. So, um, as you're an avid listener of our podcast, uh, you know, we typically wait before we do a bio or anything so we can have our little, uh, chat beforehand. Um, so you were one of the first people to, to find out besides us that it looks like we may be having James Reeves from TFB TV, uh, going to be part of our, um, uh, YouTube stream here, uh. I'll be excited for that. Pretty freaking incredible. He's a personality. Hell yeah, he is. And it, he's a personality where you kind of not, you kind of want to not like him. And then you're like, oh, this dude is just a cocky son of a bitch. But he's a sweet hearted cocky son of a bitch. Like we all strive to be. With the beautiful hair, and he can wear those silkies that I could never properly wear in the military uh, and look as good. <laughs> I tell you what, if you don't like him, if you're a person out there that doesn't like James Reeves, uh, go watch his videos with uh, Clint Smith, the Thunder Ranch guy. Oh my God, I love Clint Smith. Yep, yep. He's massively. Shoot him more... in the groin. <laughs> He's massively more respectful in those videos, too. It's actually pretty funny to watch. No. No, I know. I, I, I absolutely love James Reeves. Um, his personality is freaking exceptional. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just digging on him right now. Hopefully that uh, he, he listens because he he shot us with a low blow with his comment saying that uh, uh, in one of our uh, uh, YouTube streams, we all look like people under surveillance for uh, stealing copper out of houses being built. <laughs> it, it, we need somebody with good hair on there. And I'm like, you son of a gun. <laughs> oh, definitely, man. So um, we're roughly in the continental United States. Are you roughly possibly located if you're willing to? Uh, Dugan's going to be on in, uh, in about a minute. Okay. Well, I mean, it's pretty central to my story here anyway, so I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you. I'm uh, I'm lost, completely lost, somewhere far north in Wisconsin. Hey, boys. All right, hold on. Uh, we just got somebody connected in. Uh, that's Dark Mavis. Um, I, I would go. probably say just let's hold off on the bio and let's just give a little uh, uh, chat. Dark, uh, this is Mr. Mason. Mason. I'll let you uh, interview him for a second uh, before we give the bio window. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, Mr. Mason. Thanks for having me, Dark. So uh, I heard uh, you've been a a branch Duganian for for a little while. You've been a follower of Dugan's uh, videos for a little while? I have uh actually it's kind of funny because i i did not watch um i did not watch carnicon when it was first coming out i never saw that before 
uh, you know, it was basically archived. But I did go back and watch, you know, most. That's but... very. I was going to say that's very funny because I, I, I keep on getting emails and uh, the last guest and possibly one before him said they really didn't even know about Dugan with Carnicon or anything. And they just happened to find him with his new streams yeah. and stuff. And, you know, that's that's how it ended up happening, basically being organic. It wasn't, you know, the people who were fanboys uh, back in the day. It's people that have just basically found him, you know, in the recent time and then discovered, you know, what he did in the past. Sorry for oh, interrupting. Oh, no worries. Um, that's basically what happened with me. I don't, I don't remember exactly if I found, like, the Carnicon archives first or if I found, like, way back in the day. I think he did a podcast with, uh, was it, like, TNS or something like that? Uh, oh, I think we have Mr. Uh, Duke Ashley himself on here, too. Hey, how's it going? Dude. How's it going? Hey, hey up, Doug. Brother? What's up? This is Mr. Mason on here. Hello. Hello. How we doing? Hey, is my voice coming through? Hey, Mason, I just looked at oh, the yeah. internet. You're Doug, so your perfect. voice is so silky smooth right now. You're like Earl Jones. Oh, man. Okay. Like James Reeves' oh. hair. <laughs> I was just going to say it was clear, but, you know. <laughs> uh, hey, Mr. Mason, uh, uh, start that off again saying that, you know, you didn't know Dugan from Carnicon. You found him recently. Uh, start off from that point so he, he can be a part of this and then jump into your bio uh, from there. For sure, sure. Uh, yeah, did not uh, did not follow you during Carnicon. I was younger then, uh, still in high school. But the, where I found you, it wasn't too recently. You did a podcast, and I can't even remember the name of it. It was like TNS or something maybe. I think it was maybe a year after you stopped doing Carnicon. And it was like just free flow format i think it was with a couple other guys and uh that was like the first exposure i had to somebody talking about the the civil unrest that we were looking at as a country um and even even back then i don't think you went into like the jq or anything yet that early (laughs) yeah uh you probably know more what i'm talking about than i do but it was a long time ago but uh that was my first exposure and i was like this guy is thinking on a different level than I am right now, and uh, it might be worth listening to. So that's you know, I think came into that. Can I can I throw a karate chop in here? Sure. For the listeners, <laughs> so the uh, so the the JQ is a Jewish question, right? And there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things. Powerful, po- powerful uh, pair of words when put together in a combination, as are. Many words. It's strange. Somebody could write a cookbook about language where it just had like an entire section of like the Jew spice. And then if you put the word Jew in there, it would suddenly become like, like, wow, this is now highly acidic. Like you've dropped a pH to two on this dish, sir. This will burn through my tongue <laughs> at the bottom of my jowl that, you know, you could make a cookbook like that. But, but the JQ that word, that that term, that terminology is made by a Jewish man. That's what you should know first. <laughs> wow. Okay. I had never heard that term before. Curveball. There's a curveball in there. 
I just threw it out there. Didn't know how far we were uh, digging into this right away. But nope, nope. I Sorry, we I... were going right into the ten five W. I wanted. I just wanted to karate chop because no. it's JQ. That's it. But carry on, please. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, that that's fine. Go ahead, Mister Mason. No worries. <laughs> so uh, I came in there. Uh, you know, I tried to figure out basically who you were. Looked up, found Carnicon. And uh, you're kind of radio silence for a while, but I always, you know, looked around to see if uh, you were had a new show or were going on any other podcasts. And, uh, you know, last year, uh, obviously, you came back out and started doing shows. I didn't find it right at the beginning, but uh, I found the archive, started listening to the, the Bug Reader archive, actually during work, fill my 12-hour days, right? Just toss on some, uh, ho, ho. Toss on some Dugan. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess here we are. There's been a lot in between that, but uh, I like the word you're spreading. I'm happy to help. I'm sorry. I wish those were a little bit more concise. It's it's it gets hard to try to talk about this stuff to people because number one, they don't want to hear it, and number two, it's more complicated than we all think, even myself. And so it's you know, well, there's a lot to think about it about the topic. A lot to stay about it, and so it can be kind of lofty topics maybe maybe i'm in the minority yeah, the more people we have to be able to, i was going to say the more people we have to be able to talk the the greater the viewpoints and the greater the talking points we have to be able to discuss and further go into deep dives and understanding of actually what is going on yeah and, you know that's that's all we're trying to do here so i think all the different perspectives in there i mean you have so many people starting at so many different levels of you know where their heads at so uh, Dugan I think you do a good job of kind of meeting people where they are I have no idea I, all that I know is that it's like a fire it's like it's like having fire ants in your pants and you can't like you're not going to sit down you just can't you can't do it anymore and no matter how many times you you know are supposed to go stand in the stupid line with everybody else where you just stand there and shut the fuck up look at each other's the back of each other's heads like i can't do it because i got fire ants in my pants and that's how it's that's just how it goes you know i can't stand in the line anymore because it doesn't work like that it just doesn't work that way anymore and once you get those fire ants you can't do it it just will not abide you know and uh well put well put my friend it is a difficult topic it is uh well, I'll tell you what makes it most difficult is the fact that uh, you're not allowed to talk about it. That would probably be the number one thing, yep. which is, uh, in my opinion, problematic and the most uh, – like what a compounded idea, right? Compounded meaning that, you know, in the United States, the entire identity of the United States, of what anyone – like if anybody had a problem with what you would say talking about it, they have to, they, they have to do it invoking their right of uh you know they're 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 invoking and practicing expression and free speech right and then it's like towards the effort of like yeah you shouldn't say that you know what i mean and so it's like a uh it's like a a very uh you know i i feel like people have an idea of what tyranny is that was written down on a piece of paper and slipped to them by the king I would agree with you on that, and I'm pretty sure I think I see where you're going with this. You know, modern-day tyranny, 
we don't see it because it is being hidden behind MSM and being uh, we're being fed sugar and freaking placebos and being told what to look at, what to think, what to view and, you know, how to take the reality that we are being force fed and willingly walking into these uh, these cattle troughs for, you know, the culling of the herd. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to walk in there, you get in there. I'm trying to get the hell out. Yeah, fast as I can. People get in my way all the time. I will. <laughs> they try to keep me in. I watch. Hey, I watch Finding Nemo, man. I know how to do this. Everybody starts swimming down when that big ass yeah. net starts pulling you up. Everybody swim down at the same Just time. Keep we'll break Just out. Keep swimming. <laughs> So, what what else uh, could you tell us about yourself, Mr. Mason? Okay. Um, I can do a little bit of background. Uh, Like I was saying a little bit before Dugan joined, um, I grew up far north in Wisconsin, kind of in the middle of the woods. And uh, I feel like a a lot of what I experienced growing up kind of prepared me for, you know, what we're going to go through. I think I'm lucky in that regard. I grew up up hunting and uh, growing a garden. Not so much like uh, the livestock. I'm, I'm discovering that one lately. I can thank you for the, the chicken tip, Doug. I, I like the chickens. They're pretty cool. But uh, Yeah, chickens are great. That's awesome. Like a lot of other young people my age, I, I think I'm a little bit younger than you guys. I'm 25, so probably about 10 years younger. But, um, you know, I did for a yeah. while there after I graduated high school. I moved, like, closer to a big city um, and, you know, kind of – wasn't as into i guess being you know prepared wasn't as into self-sufficiency bought into a little bit of the like consumer culture i guess you could say uh it wasn't for too long but um i'm glad that i found my way back out of it anyways i ended up moving back not far from where i grew up and uh kind of going back to the the things that i had learned growing up and i think that's probably the best way to get ready for what's coming can't say that for certain i suppose but what was it that encouraged you to get the flock away from the city as quickly as possible well basically what i you know i uh i moved away when i was like 20 and i had a pretty decent job i i was actually smart enough not to move all the way into a big city right like i moved about half an hour out of it and i worked in the city but i didn't have to live there and the way that uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota is, you know, you can have a big city, but you drive half an hour and you're in the literal middle of nowhere. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's nice in that regard. But the things that I saw while I was there, I was not prepared for growing up. Um, my parents were, were hippies, I guess, to put it, uh, put it loosely. Not like so much anymore, but gr- growing up they were, so... I wasn't really exposed to the things that I was ready to see in a city of a few million people. Um, I, I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way at all. But if you guys know anything about uh, Minnesota and like St. Cloud and the Twin Cities and everything, there's been a massive, massive pop, uh, Somalian population boom there. Uh, oh yeah. And that's uh, for the residents there. It, it's been it's been detrimental in a lot of ways. Um, and watching that, like, when I was there, it was going through another huge boom. And uh, that, that was eye-opening to watch that in a lot of ways. And just uh, just the completely different culture of spending time in a big city. 
really after a few years turned me off to it. Um, and also I realized that, you know, I didn't have much control over, uh, I didn't have like, you know, I didn't have any way to heat my house on my own. I didn't have any way to like really provide my own food. That wasn't something I was totally used to because, uh, you know, I could before. And after a while, I started looking at these things and wondering why it was this way, uh, why it was this way closer, closer to an urban center. And I think we should talk, I think we should talk about that, what you're talking about, because I feel like, like you're, yeah. you're obviously aware, you're obviously like aware of all of the malfeasance that is underlying this stuff that's going on. Like obviously the, like a person listening may not necessarily understand. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm may have the their uh, different idea. So. What's that? I said, I'm not the greatest speaker in the world, so I might not uh, be able to put it in the words I need to hear it, but uh, the, well, you're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just, I, but what I want to talk about is the phenomenon, like touch on the phenomenon and then, uh, and then we can kind of go into the phenomenon I'm talking about is how like, you know, we're trained to not talk about things that are uh, taboo. When we talk about them, we won't actually say what the thing is, right? We'll under, we'll under deliver. And then what happens then? So, so what happens then is that everybody who has a different idea about the taboo, that could be incorrect or correct, which we're, we don't know, you know, like we, we have no idea what's really exactly correct or incorrect, but the people that have something incorrect will have that reinforced. The people that, uh, like have something correct may not get any kind of reinforcement. And then everybody may, you know, it's like the, the telephone game where the word never gets said, like it's passed around and everybody describes the, the, all the words like playing uh, charades with the word that you want to say that you, that would already get telephone gamed, but you're doing telephone game with all the peripheral words. Right. And so like, you know, mm-hmm. Obviously, when, you know, like the way the way the United States works or should have worked, if, if there was any honesty in, uh, you know, this era would be that, uh, you know, you would have you would have opportunity of competition, meaning that we had to pick some kind of, you know, they pick some kind of fucking system, better or worse, if it's good or bad, whatever. And it's supposed to be fair. And then you, what you would have ideally is like. People would come, but, you know, they'd fucking swim over here or whatever they had to do. And if they are motivated enough to get here and they get here and then they're motivated enough to uh, assimilate into the society and to become a part of it, then they're going to swim. Right. And if they don't, they'll sink. And that's like modeling natural selection. And that would be like that would be how, you know, the United States is supposed to be and how it was like. Uh, in an idealization, how it would be modeled. This is after the fact of like, you know, if you go back to the original, original United States, like prior to the immigration acts, you're talking about like white men only. So I'm talking about like post immigration acts here. Right. So I don't know who, I don't know which audience you would, you would like, uh, or which era of mindset you would placate to, to uh, like try to give a description of what, what is happening and what happened. But that whole thing about people, coming over and being strong swimmers and being able to intermix and uh, benefit the society by creating like a, a giant, uh, you know, 
fountain firework together, right? This idea where it's like everybody's just like doing their best and moving along. We kind of like pretend like that's what's going on. It's not all what's going on, and it's really easy to see. And all these people, like the Somalians, get brought in. And I mean, shit, having them get brought in because of destabilizing wars that are being waged with American tax dollars. So they, so they fuck up their shit yeah. where they're at. They bring them over. They lobby and lie about it. They lie to everybody's face. They tell them that what's going on isn't what's going on. You know exactly what's going on. They put them there. It's disruptive. It's disruptive to them. They lose their home. They're expected to have a home here. They don't, you know, we don't have the same like backgrounds or idealizations or anything. And it's not like an accident. It's on purpose. And the purpose of it is to destabilize the country. And there's just like one destabilization peg in, in, in a conglomeration of thousands of, of these pegs that are like holding up, like pushing and prodding on, like trying to tip the United States over. So that's just kind of my description. And if you want to go from there, you can, you know, say whatever you'd like about that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Put it into better words than I could. That's, uh, I guess I'll add on to that. You're, you're very correct. Like the assimilation part, right? You, you can tell as soon as you find a community of people that don't want to assimilate, it's, uh, you know, it's like you're transported to an entirely different country inside of your own. And you're like, what's, uh, what's going on here? Um, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. Hello. Yo, I, I apologize. Uh, I do not know what happened. That was the first time that's ever happened during our podcast where it said, I did not have enough bandwidth and I'm on full router right now. Uh, everybody's going to join back in here. Hey, Mason, I- I'm sorry. I guess you got the disconnect at the same time we all did. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, Doug is on with us, too. Um, okay. Uh, please just count back 30 seconds and just try to start off where you were. I, I apologize. That-, that was on my end for some reason. Oh, no worries. Uh, I guess the last thing I was talking about, I don't know exactly where it cut out, but I was just talking about the assimilation part about, uh, about what Doug was talking about. Um, talking about international immigration yeah. and assimilation for anybody that just came out. Exactly. If you, if you've never experienced that, um, you know, and being used to people that would, uh, would move into a small community and assimilate, right? They, they come there and they join your community, they want to join in your goals and, and join in helping you thrive. And then if you go if you go somewhere where there's a large population that wants to exclude you, they want to form their own community, it can be like stepping into a different country that's inside of your own country. And, or, uh, or to, that, to that put that in other weird. words, to put that in other words, so when I go when I go to a foreign country that's entirely different than my own, one with a, I don't speak the language in, and uh, that uh, you know most customers are different, and that I have no interest in assimilating to that country, and that I didn't exactly choose to go there, right? Like I'm like I'm not. It's just you just kind of like go through the circumstances of your life and end, end up there. That would be called being a uh, a coupon conscript in the U.S. Army, being deployed in Iraq. That's what that's called. So I'm not going to assimilate to the uh, Iraqis because I'm there occupying, right? So I've got a rifle, and nobody's going to tell me to assimilate. I also have 
you know, frags on my belt and shit. So, like, nobody's going to talk to me about assimilating because I'm not going to. So that's not what I'm there for, right? Well, that's what that's what is supposed to happen if you have voluntary, you know, migration, immigration. But that's not really what's going on. They're, in a, in a lot of ways, the same way as, like, I would be inserted into a country that I don't want to be in and don't want to assimilate to. It's, it's very similar to how, you know, you'll get money will pick up, international money will pick up and relocate a bunch of people who, whose problems that they were having wherever they came from, you know, stem from somewhere also, right? Like the, the problems that they're dealing with came from somewhere. They were generated, they're real problems. And then they're pulling them out using uh, money and then moving them somewhere else and then dumping them off and then being like, there you go. And then, and then they're not, you know, there's no, none of the, none of the, if, if you go into like ecology or, uh, you know, biology, anything like that with, with evolutionary theories, like let's say that we're using evolutionary theory systems. We're saying, we're saying that, you know, pressures, pressures and stressors act upon the, the slow uh, momentum of change, right. In evolution, right. And so, like, what doesn't work proceeds or uh, uh, is eliminated, and what does work proceeds. Like, what, what is most fit, you're selecting for what is most fit. Well, that would be that's like the, the entire, I don't know, intellectual idea of immigration would, would work that way, at least on paper, with like how, how, it's, how it's sold and things like that. And it's, it's just very obviously not, not that. It's, Hey, Doug, uh, one thing I want to bring up, um, I grew up in, you know, a central part of Florida on a horse ranch, and also I grew up in South Florida, um, you know, in, in the excess and the wealth area, and one thing I, I've noticed uh, growing up in South Florida is we have little Cuba, little Haiti, we got little Dominican Republic, we have all these places and when people come over to the U.S., it used to be a melting pot, meaning that you would fall in and basically melt away and not saying your identity or your cultural background, but basically melt into the country and become uniformed. Uh, what I've been seeing uh, recently uh, or actually for quite a few years is people coming over and they're congealing. Uh, you know, sure. just like whenever you make a soup and you let it cool down like chicken noodle soup and you have the congealed part at the top. Yeah, it's still part of the soup. You got to heat up the damn soup to be able to stir it back in to be able to make it all edible. Yeah. But there are different. Yeah, there are different parts that are separating away from the foundation and, and the with the, the Somalis. The Somalis uh, that are coming in, they're basically being brought in under a, a government guise saying, hey, we're looking at taking in these refugees. Yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day, they're, they're using them as plants to be able to say, hey, do this and do this and do this when we tell you because we brought you in. In not so such formal words, my neighbor next to me, he is a first generation Cuban. Um, he served in the Cuban Navy. He's worked on all the Russian platforms. Uh, you know, he's even got a Russian name because Cuba thought Russia was going to be 
you know, buddy buddies and, you know, finger cuff pals with them and uh, this and that. And my neighbor absolutely loves America. He loves Donald Trump. And, you know, he doesn't want socialism. He wants uh, freedom. He wants independence. And from a place that he came from to America, and he's telling me, he says, Cliff, uh, it, it, it's starting to look like Cuba. Th- this is exactly, you know, y- your politicians are saying exactly what, you know, the, the politicians were saying over here. And I have other South American, you know, friends of, of mine that are first generation, and they're all saying the same thing. They're like, we come from a bad place. And we came here to be able to get away from it. And everything looks like it's turning to socialism, looks like it's turning into, you know, uh, communism. What do we do? What do we do? And I said, hey, do what you did back home. You had independence. You got you didn't rely on the electricity. You didn't rely on water. You didn't rely on food. You did it yourself. Right. Yeah. Do it here. Nobody will tell you no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so that's right. Now the only the only thing that's making that chicken noodle soup mix is the heat, and the heat is money. So you know, like your your times when people are able to like really you know function together is when everybody's bribed, meaning that the economy is like uh, hyper stimulated with a high velocity, like velocity of exchange, like velocity of uh, currency products new things to buy and in those periods that's how they've trained everybody in those periods to be you know i mean what what you know like what do you do if you're you know trying to decide between 10 different products and that's all you have to worry about and you can't even pay attention to what reality is and that's that's the big difference because you can imagine you can imagine if you took all the people that are like uh, supposedly integrated in a city and then you just like boom stop the economy so there's no money these have what they have physically and then they got to work it out. Like you can imagine how much different of an environment it becomes immediately when there's no, when there's no economic grease to like uh, incentivize and bribe everybody to constantly look the other way and go in the singular direction that the money wants, whatever that may be, regardless of what direction it is, whether it's communism or capitalism or whatever, when that money goes away in a hypothetical scenario, you can imagine having a bunch of different people, all together, like you have to have something that unifies people to cooperate and work together, right? And so, if you're not the same religion, right? And if you're not if you're not the same religion, and you don't have a nation because it's been taken away, so you, it's just toilet paper. So you don't have a nation anymore, and you don't have an economy because they crash it, and so like you're going through a you know like some kind of hyperinflation, and then if you don't have, I mean, all that you have is like want and need and who has something else and that's it that's like what's left you know and then and then of course people that are you know going to operate by principle by like a higher order of principle or by the heart but that's not really a rule you know i mean i almost you almost can't use it as an example these days because it's just not you know it's not found yeah it's not found anywhere it's not the way it's not the way that anybody operates and if they would operate like that, if people did operate like that, they'd be like hermits, you know, so you wouldn't even know who they are. <laughs> so, you know, it's just kind of uh, it, it's a strange thing to think about, like how 
you know, by being distracted by money, we are like guided all over the world and taken out of our homes and our homes are taken away from us. And we're sent to some strange place with people that are enemies and we can be like, you know, an inch from our faces to one another. And we don't even can't even smell each other's breath because we're paid too much to, you know, no, that's the smell of someone's breath. We're, we're paid to think that it's, you know, like, Oh, we got to get the new perfume. We got to get the new cologne, whatever, whatever the hell that is that people buy. I don't know, but it's a, Hey, Doug, I I was going to say, if you guys don't mind me interrupting, I I, I just want to bring up, uh, two recent points here and I'm not sure if Doug uh, heard about them. I'm pretty sure he has um, dark and a, uh, another gentleman that helped us start up the, uh, the podcast. Um, basically they called me up telling me, Hey dude, ha- have you heard about this kid that turned in his father you know, after the fact of going to the D.C. riots and apparently there was a a girl that turned in her dad or mother or whatever it may be, um, you know, for going to the D.C. uh, riots uh, for, you know, when they were doing the uh, the votes, um, you know, in in Congress and uh, basically turned them in saying, hey, you know, I I think they're going to do something or this or that. But they did it after the fact. And now they have, you know, GoFundMe pages for over a hundred thousand dollars. I, I I've yeah. mentioned at least once or twice on the the podcast that you know we're looking a lot like how Germany started off in the Second World War, where it's hey, turn in your your father, your uncle, your neighbor, your this, your that, uh, to be able to benefit the homeland and benefit the party, and you'll get rewarded for it. And, you know, that, that's one thing. The other thing I want to throw out is uh, just recently we had the masses fighting against uh, stocks being sold short. And all these people, independent people, came together and banded up and bought a whole bunch of uh, uh, GameStop stocks and basically screwed over these hedge funds where now these hedge funds are owing, you know, over $9 billion, if not more, uh, to be able to pay back to people, basically, you know, trying to bankrupt them. And now the government and all these uh, different agencies are coming together and stopping the people from, you know, putting out their voices peacefully and using their cash flow to be able to influence. Do they bail them? Are they, are they bailing a hedge? What hedge funds are they? They say they're not. No. they're not bailing um, out of them, but they're 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 coming in with restriction. So there's kind of a lot to unpack there. Can I can I yeah. start a little bit to kind of piece? Yeah, it up? yeah, dark. Go ahead. So um, I, what I see here is that they are um, it, just like Cliff said, like you know the World War Two. Turn in your your family, your brother, whoever's harboring the the Jews. You know. Turn them in. It's the right thing to do. Not only is it encouraged, it's rewarded, right? And um, what what it appears now with the mainstream media pumping this out so much is the the seventeen year old kid, like Cliff said, not to repeat, but it's important to kind of isolate these things. Um, he turned in his father for going to the um, the riot at the Capitol. He brought a handgun, which is illegal. He called the FBI 
and he posted a GoFundMe, and he has raised over $130,000, and that was over three days ago, okay? So he's getting, I mean, he's financially benefiting from this, and people are giving to him, not just for, like, college and living, you know, his his mom has apparently kicked him out of the house now, but, uh, I mean, the kid's going to be able to buy his own fucking house here pretty soon, but... um, He's being dark. Rewarded. Hey, dark. Doug. Doug was asking about the the uh, the the stocks. I think. Sorry for interrupting. Okay, I can I can get to that too as well. If that's okay. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting. Bro. No, that's all right. <laughs> um. So, so that's the situation. Give me some stocks. Um. So then also. Second situation, uh, a chick turned in her mother uh, is now she's just under $100,000 um, as well. Now, these are all, you know, right wing um, armed citizens, like the, the exact target of who we've been talking about this whole time. And the third person is perhaps the the most interesting. It was uh, I can't recall his name. Uh, Cliff, if you could find his name for me while I say this. The uh, the guy who started uh, the walkaway party, um, it was a uh, I'll find party it right of now. Democrats that walked away because they were saying the left during the riots are just getting way too extreme. I think it was Chris something. Um, the left has gotten way too extreme, so I'm leaving the the Democratic Party and I'm crossing over to the uh, Trump side. Made a huge show of it, massive on Facebook and YouTube and all that. Wow. Well, he, who would have thought? Brandon Straka. Straka. Brandon Straka. Yeah, go ahead. Who's giving these people money? Like, who honestly looks at the situation where a child sells out their parent in that in that way? Like, that's a big way to sell out your that right. Your flesh it is blood. the leftist. Extremist. That right there was crowd. But that right there was crowdfunded. Uh, yeah. Uh, if we're talking about like the riots, uh, that would be DSA and other, you know, fingers from there. Also crowd. Uh, but for those. Yeah. But those those people specifically, they started GoFundMes, which means, you know, anybody can chip in to their coffers. Yeah, at that I understand. Point. And I think what you're asking, Mason, is what kind of person would lack such morals and standards that they would contribute to a person that did something that terrible semi-rhetorical question but also honestly because i mean do we really trust gofundme to not have like uh fake money being pumped into it because I, it's I also i don't understand who i don't understand the kind of be. person that would donate you, to somebody who did you, that you gotta start you guys gotta look at things too like one of the things that people are not used to or don't understand it's a part of the like opening the pedals here. So, you know, you got to look at like who these people are, which I haven't, I've never heard of this other than I, I, I'm not like, I'm so busy right now that I'm not giving the news any time because I'm getting all my fucking shit together. But the, uh, I'm not going to stop. And the, uh, the people that are involved, right. You got to ask, you got to ask, you got to look at everything like a murder. You got to look at everything like it's a murder scene and you like everything. And you got to go like, okay, this is obviously this is being taught. How, how'd you figure out about it? You found out about it because it's probably in the in the you're, it's probably in the fucking news. If it's not in the news, it's probably in social media. Well, 
these days there's no line between like you don't have a free press all of the press is completely brought bought and because people figured that out mm-hmm. and they trash the press now now they've had to move over and simulate organic models in social media by just like completely yep. impersonating the entire you know modus operandi of like a normal organic person going through their daily dumb dumb life mr magoo life like whoops i'm walking on a cinder block on a fucking crane going across manhattan here and i didn't die that guy you know <laughs> like they got to simulate that entire thing and this has like gotten huge in since 2016 it's like massive there's so much money going into that model where they make everything appear to be organic and it's it just fucking sucks because it's like people are too dumb to know the difference they can't tell like it's, it's they're not able to tell so if you hear about it if you hear about something if people are talking about it that's a good indicator that somebody invested into it unless it's unless unless it's fucking radical unless it's just like yeah this guy you know fucking i don't know like some something that's just completely against the like against the grain all the way and is like working and people are like wow you know that might not be that might be organic but like anything where it's just like who gives a shit about this anyway? Or does this completely feed one narrative? Getting front, getting getting stimulation to end up in your feed to where you hear about it, you gotta ask, how did this end up where I heard about it? And then is that something that like, am I actually a con like am I a consumer of media where I'm going out and like looking at things objectively? Or is the reality that I just open up my mouth and anything goes in there? Like, it doesn't matter what it is. I have no discrimination of what goes in my mouth. I'm just, ah, oh, feed me, blah, 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 like the hippo, hungry, hungry hippo game. And, uh, well, so that's that's actually exactly my point is that, that it appears that all of this is synthetic. Like, we know that, you know, these are just numbers on a screen, yeah. right? The, these aren't necessarily like, you know, like, you know, gold backed like banknotes. Like, we, so I know that this is synthetic and it also is likely, you know, truly crowdsourced by like extremists that, that want to pump that view. And that's that's what's most alarming about this. The other guy, Brandon Straka, who was targeted, you know, he's he created the walkaway movement of like people leaving the left and coming to the right and all that shit took pictures at the Capitol steps and was arrested just for being at the at the protest and riot and all the, all these people are, are being rewarded for, for turning in family members and they're encouraging it. And the reason that I believe it was synthetic is because they want to send this message out as, as widely as possible to say, you know, look how great it is when you target, you know, Trumpers, right-wing people military-aged males that are armed oh yeah you know they create the model they sell the model just like a brand they show the reward they make sure everybody knows the reward then they without saying it without like breaking it down with a diagram they go look here's a bunch of fucking money came out of nowhere like from magic magic Mm -hmm. land remember how you use you know you know how these people these dumbasses play lotto you don't even have to do that you just do this other stupid shit and then just money just comes into a bank account. I mean, it's all like, you know, people need to understand that this is not reality. Like this is, this is entirely fake. The amount of money that these people are getting when you're looking at a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or a hundred million dollars or 
$100 billion, it's a very small amount of money compared to the amount of money that it would take in the conventional model that you would imagine in your head to fucking destroy the United States and bring it down to its knees. Like the amount of money that that would take in a traditional military model is way, 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 way more than the traditional model, conventional model that people think of when they're going to their stupid ass commie school, reading about social studies and history. It's all full of shit. And they're reading those books and they're going like, I wonder, I wonder if I could compute the amount of money internationally with a, with a global reserve currency. How many units would it take to fucking bring the United States directly to the, to its fucking knees where it's begging for, a collar for a fucking choke collar. I wonder how much that would cost. Probably a lot. Cause I see a lot of gadson flags of people talking about from my cold dead hands in the United States and they got a proud history and they're rambunctious too. They fight world wars. They like to fight wars a lot. So it probably cost a lot. It involve a lot of resources and it would be extremely dangerous, right? That cost is way higher than any number of little fake dollars that you can put on a screen or like flash to you on a little Facebook story about how somebody got money and shit. Like this is all fake guys. I mean, I just don't know how else to say it. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to go into rant mode. I'm just, yeah. it just, it's, it. Well, no, you're absolutely right. That's, it's the same yeah. thing. It's all a machine. And so we, we have another guest that I want to introduce to, but or that uh, light wants to introduce, but one, one quick thing to, to show how much of a fucking, like just pure fuckery. This is just like the machine that is synthesizing these situations to send messages, to create a stimulus, in, in order to get the the outcome that they desire. Like it is a fucking. There, there is no. Game, there is right? no. Like, uh, have you guys ever seen that? There was a uh, on the chans. There used to be this really good video that was like a European uh, banking interview or it was a banking documentary maybe in the past, maybe like six years old or something like that. This clip used to go around the Shans and it was great. They've, they've like tried so hard to scrub it. It's hard to find. I can't remember what it's called. But there's this clip that's like a two-minute exchange between this documentary guy and, uh, and some international, uh, I think it's like a bullion reserve bank or something like that. Anyway, he's talking to him about individual accounts and talking about like the system of banking. And he basically goes into like a conclusion thesis. He's like, he has like a, a light bulb go on in his head. And he's like, wait, so what you're telling me is that there's not actually any money there. And he's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no money there. And then he's like, oh, what? And he's like trying to figure it out. And he keeps like restating and like uh, trying to change the word to like, wait, wake me up from the nightmare real quick. Can I wake up real quick? And he's like, he's like, no, there's actually no money there. So there's, there's literally both, both on the national level and the international level and on the individual level, you never have any money in your account. So there's no, there's literally no money. Like, like, do you guys understand that? Like the oldest, the way that this shit works when they, like they came up, what money really is as a technology is a relative relationship between people that control access to trade routes, to trade notes where you can put input in and get something out. Mm -hmm. And this is what the modernized, like, like banking, which rules the nations is the modern organization of this. And so the old, the old model used to be like we, we, you know, get on the internet and like sign into our bank account on our app, on our smartphone and we're going like, Oh, I'm high speed. I'm doing like a wire transfer. Well, they did wire transfers before there was ever any electricity by hundreds and hundreds of years. And the way they do that 
is that yeah. Bob calls Dale and says, like, Bob, I'm going to front, you know, uh, or hey, Dale, I'm going to I'm going to front this uh, this dickhead over here. I'm going to front him five thousand dollars and then I'm going to get a huge percentage because he's not going to pay it all back. I'm going to take everything he's got. And then he says, OK, sounds good, Bob. I got it. And he's like, thanks, Dale. And then he's like, well, magically, it turns out I just sent the money magically through the air over to Dale. And he's got it over there where you're at. And so now you have, five, you know, whatever I said that it was, like $50,000 or whatever. And the guy's like, oh, wow. And he's feeling like tingling inside because he's like, I can't believe I'm so important. I got this huge number of fake abstract numbers that got invented in somebody's fucking brain. And now they're mine. And they're like, oh. And then, and then he walks out of there with his, with his fake shit. And then everybody around him like, stands up as he's walking out like tightens their belt and is like man i hope i can borrow fake shit that doesn't exist someday like that and then he walks out and he like gets a taxi cab and like picks up some girl at a bar and like you know it's like feeling great and stuff you know i mean this is all this is the entire system of injustice I and mean, you can just imagine the compounded cycles that this could go through in terms of like how it would fuck yeah, shit up epic. right and this is what we're dealing with right that's on that hey hey Doug yeah hey uh so basically I I brought a surprise guest this was somebody I was not planning on bringing on uh he might not be too talkative but the reason I brought him on is he is a veteran like us uh his name is Mike and he is a gentleman who was not pretty much aware of what's going on and, you know, the things going on behind the curtains. Um, So basically, like I said, he might not be too talkative. No problem. But, uh, you know, I'm bringing him on to be able to listen and understand, um, you know, just like you, Mr. Mason. Just say whatever Um, you want. Like if you got something on your head uh, that you you don't agree with or whatever, you go right ahead and we won't, like, I mean, I might bite like a little bit, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to like shank you yeah, we're all yeah. Good. So, well, I'm still. Hey, of... hey, Mike, can you say hello to the uh, the crowd? There we go. Hi, everybody. Hi. There you hi, go, Mike. Everybody. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm. I'm still trying to wrap my head around all this. This is, you know, I served under Clinton, and of course that was an embarrassment. Yeah. So, uh, it was stunning the amount of sexual harassment training we had to go through constantly the command over and over again the whole time every time something hit the news about clinton and you know all, you would all have, the military had to go through training so you would have loved 2008 because that's when like when i i got out and i was like man i couldn't close that door fast enough because it was like training like that all the time <laughs> yeah Oh my well, god, yeah. It didn't that, that So hey Mike, the if there's anything that you disagree oh I'm sorry for yeah, interrupting, well, that, go ahead. That seemed to start at the beginning of at the same time because I went in at the beginning um of the nineties, so that all kind of followed the Clinton mess and then tail hook and uh, so Doesn't this it... world back and all that honestly i still haven't got my head wrapped around 
doesn't it always feel like, especially for like, because most, uh, I'm assuming that a lot of people listen to the podcast and stuff are probably like, uh, I mean, we have a pretty wide spread, I'm sure, from old demographics. I'm sure that we go up to like 70 probably, and as low as like 15. Yeah, we probably do like as low as like 15 years. year olds yeah. and stuff. But we get a lot of we get a lot of uh, yep, like yep. G Watt vet age type guys, and it's almost different. I'm sure that yep. from Mike's experience, uh, being like a generation prior, I'm sure that he knows. And there's always this sense of like where you're waiting for it to go back to normalcy. Like you're waiting for that, like okay, good joke, guys. Like you really jack this thing up. When do we get back to like people doing what they say they're going to do and meaning what they say? Like when, when do we when do we get back to the good stuff of just you know things being what they want what they are and you know everybody being honest and like trying you know trying to do the right thing and not trying to you know screw screw the country over and I think that sentiment has been around for like every generation. <laughs> Yeah. I'm still waiting for things to go back to normal and I'm 10 years younger. Now, yeah. Now, Mike, if you disagree with anything or need more information, feel free to interject and say, you know, clarify it because you're on the outside looking in. I brought you into this world um, and Dark has also spoke with you also. Um, so this is one of those things where, you know, you see that we are bringing, you know, uh, light in the darkness and Dugan is facilitating, you know, a lot of this information. It's really, but, it's know, really dark. Time, and I know, only have, it, I've got not... a shitty Bic lighter. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Bic lighters and blue chem lights. <laughs> Bic lighter on the smoke deck, man. That goes out real quick. Hey, I do want to hit on real quick because this is part of the the, the simulation is uh, the 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 stonks, um, the stocks that we were talking about. Where you know, yes. basically, um, you know, uh, GameStop was going to be completely crushed, and they were being shorted. And I thought it was two billion. Apparently, Cliff had said uh, over nine billion, which is crazy um basically gamestop was down to 18 dollars a share and all these people came together thousands of people came together on reddit on other platforms and they said you know what everyone pitch in what you can we're all gonna buy um gamestop stocks and we're all gonna you know fuck these guys over and burn these fucking head funds to the ground and gamestop wasn't the only one but this is a good example and this is also a good example of how the uh, the the plot twist at the end was just the machine, you know, and the people pressing the buttons behind the curtain. Um, they brought it up to over three hundred dollars a share, to where the hedge fund uh, would have had to pay billions of dollars uh, because they're wrong. You know, when you short it, you, it's like being at the craps table and you know making a bet that. Uh, you know, the guy's going to, you know, uh, lose the role. And um, what happened was once they figured out that because of this, they were uh, going to go tits up, um, the uh, Reddit was the first, the Discord was nuked. They completely nuked the Discord with like thousands of people on it. And then they cut cut off the Reddit to uh, private 
so no one could log in and even conversate there anymore. And then the fucking um, uh, what is it? Uh, SC, FCC um, put in a uh, regulation of freeze, freezing this that that no one could purchase the stocks for a thirty oh, day time. I can't period. do it anymore. I, I'm I'm, I'm going to hang back. Let you guys say whatever you need to say. I'm a I'm a I'm a rant hang grenade now. No, I can't. Go, I can't. Blow up. <laughs> I pulled the pin. Say whatever you gotta say. Say whatever you gotta say first. No, hold on. Let yeah. let let Mason Everybody get a and word. Mike, uh, you know, interject uh, with whatever. Yeah, because Dugan's gonna go off on a uh, on an atomic Hiroshima style rant. All right, I'm holding the spoon. I'm holding the spoon. All right, go ahead, guys. It's like when the bottom of the when, when you're fucking when you're driving around in the Humvee and your and the bottom of your shawl breaks off and and you had the bolt back and so it's just right. Belt's gone. All right. Hey, Mason or Mike, go ahead. Well, I don't understand. <clears throat> I just heard about this with GameStop. And I mean, that's, I don't know. Is that illegal what everybody did? And can they bust everybody? No, it's perfect. No, it's perfectly legal. It's a whole bunch of people joining in together to be able to stop a stock from being shorted by everybody joining in and buying the stock up. And it's also perfectly legal for the FCC or SCC or whatever it is to throw out a, a regulation, the freeze for 30 days to investigate if there's, you know, whatever bullshit going on. Okay, so how does it work like when they put it on a freeze? When they put it on a freeze, I don't know, I get a lot of noise. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's my Um, fucking, it's my heater, I'm sorry. That was Doug heating up. I turned it off, I apologize, sorry. No, you're good, man. Dude, and if you turn, if you turn it on after like five to ten seconds... It kind of starts to drift off. Yeah, it normalizes after yeah. that. So, so we don't want you freezing. It's the initial startup is what sounds like the A10 warthog. So my go ahead, Mike. Correctly, so, so these hedge funds, they go and 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 they all get together and say, "Well, we think this one's going to fail." So, so they start borrowing it, and yeah, in some way. Because I don't really follow. No, I, I feel like if we if, if we do this uh, this banking but, stuff, like if we if we go over uh, stocks and trading, like we could be doing that. We could be talking about that for like a week. I think we should go higher in the in yeah. the level and kind of describe like what's really going on. So what's really going on is that in the global scheme of things, there is no money, and so you have like reserve currencies like dollars and pounds sterling and stuff like that shit that we think of as money that we stuff in our pockets. Then you have, you know, stock valuation, which is basically like betting or investing in a formal distribution of agreed value of like how much something is valued in a currency. And that's it. And all that, like all of this stuff is, is a bunch of people playing chicken with each other, and with the with the help of the U.S. government, the people in there that understand what's going on, and the media, and the, media. And the 
the alt media and everybody, the, the more clever they are, the less detectable they are, the better, the more effective they are. They all work together and then they're playing around to take the actual real value, which is your, you know, the, the working stiff, the guy who's like putting his hours and shit. That's where actual value comes from. There's no value that gets generated from any like printed dollar. It's just trash. The value comes when somebody's like, okay, I'll work for $10 an hour or whatever they're going to work for. And they agree to do it. They just created value out of that $10 an hour rate for everybody else. Like when you, if nobody's working and you're the first guy to go to work in a society, you're like, I will shovel that shit for $10 an hour. Boom. That's a precedent right there. It's now the standard. It's, it's a standard for everybody else. Anybody who wants to shovel shit or finds a pile of shit that they want shoveled, they can put up a sign that says $10 an hour. And that's, that's, that's what it is until somebody else goes like I shovel shit for five, five dollars an hour. Sure. Boom. Market disruption. Right. Like this is how, this is the whole thing, <laughs> how it works in a, uh, like a simplistic sense. And all these stock traders, they're just, they're just playing like hocus pocus and, uh, hoping that people will believe in all this bullshit to make people buy and sell real people, like real people that like worked all day and took their money that they earned in the day. They're like, I got to do something with it. I just do stocks. And they're like, boom, there it is. They're just trying to get that. And that's all that, that's all that the stock market really is. Well, it's great too, because uh, I mean, what is Wall Street? What, what is a hedge fund? Isn't it basically just a bunch of guys that kind of get together and uh, talk with each other and figure out, you know, where to move the money and what to bet on. And yeah. the moment, the moment that somebody that's not them does it, oh, you got to shut it down. You got to shut down yeah. the day trading apps. Uh, you guys yeah. can't make money out of that. Mm. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that it, it's basically another sign exactly. of rules for yeah, me, so but it, not for it, me. The so upper what echelon. The government did by stop uh, shutting them down. Go ahead. That's legal because they got to check it out and make sure nothing funny's going on. They ain't really checking up now. No, the government, I, I would say the government is doing that because their hands are in those same pockets and same honey jars they can, and same they coffers can... as the other people. And the only reason why they're pausing it is just to be able to allow the hedge funds to be able to, uh, to dig their heels in deeper and make everybody uh, panic sell. Because they can't trade just, or buy or this or that, all they it's can a do sign is sell. It says, to be able to you know scare I mean? them like, out of like this. It's like the more, the more, the only thing that really matters and has any value in any kind of economic situation at all, is what the actual real people that are like the real human beings living on Earth here, representing the human race, whatever they're willing to do, like in relation to this fake thing that you made up, like money. Now I'm getting kind of abstract here, but bear with me. That's that's the real value, and so. If, Simon, the more they can play Simon Says and the more strongly they get people to believe in Simon Says and they're like, oh, shit, you know, they, they just put out a regulation that says, you know, they got to stop because they got to look up everything and make sure everything's good to go. Like, they, you know, they're on the up and up or, you know, oh, oh, they screwed this over and screwed that over. And, you know, the whole thing is like is like it doesn't matter as long as you believe in the system. I mean, that's like that's literally what's. It's literally what's going on. It's like a it's like a Ponzi scheme.
Yeah. All right. Um, l- let's get off the stonks and l- let's get on something that uh, Mr. Mason, uh, he alluded to in the email and lightly on the, uh, the, the talks that w- or the talk that I had with him on talking about building up his own independence and his own self-sufficiency. Um, what have you done, Mr. Mason, to be able to get off the grid so you don't have to worry on electricity, water, food, heat, whatever it may be, whether it's one one thing or multiple things, you know, you, you're, you're a common man. No, not you're not that. a trust fund baby, correct? Okay, and you don't have, you know, money backing you and you're not in a Fortune 500 company where you can afford everything, you know, top of the line, top dollar. This is stuff that oh, yeah. you had to acquire and build on your own, sure. correct? All right, this is actually... Oh, um, hell yes. All right, so, go ahead. Uh, oh, we got the heater in you. Hey, Mason... Mason, sorry, give it a cold. second. Give it about 10 seconds for the... No, you're good. No, you're fine, Doug. Let... Okay, see, now all of a sudden it all went away all right, and he still so, has the heater uh, on. I mean, it's an all right, go ahead. process, obviously. Um, and I'm not going to pretend to be uh, fully self-sufficient at all. But uh, the, the first thing I did, you know, I, I bought a house uh, when I was 20 or so. And uh, when I realized that I wanted to be self-sufficient, the first thing that I realized is, well, you can't be spending a thousand bucks a month on a mortgage and have money to put into and invest into things that will help you in the future. Right. Because that's that's eating up a lot of your disposable income. If you're, uh, you know, an average worker like I am, at least, you know, maybe some people have a lot more money than that. But uh, the first thing I did was I had the house for like four years. So when I realized that I wanted to work on getting off of uh, getting off of services, basically, I sold my house. Um, I was pretty fortunate in that uh, the property values in the area went up a little bit. I made a little bit of money off of that. Not a huge amount, but um, I ended up moving back. I, I lived with my parents for a little while. Um, and then I started building a house. I bought some land next to them uh, just down the road. I started building a house and a garage there, uh, you know, so that you just with the money I had, I didn't take out any loans to do it. I I really make that a a point. I don't take out loans and I don't have any credit cards anymore. Um, That's really kind of a where I feel like a lot of people get stuck in this journey. You know, Um, they tie up they tie up a lot of their money into paying off debt and uh well, I think it's because they're encouraged exactly. to live outside. Exactly. You, know, you got to buy the new Xbox or whatever else the new product is. And if you don't have the money for it, just put on a credit card or whatever. Um, obviously, a lot of people get stuck doing that, like I said. So that's uh, that's one of my main focuses is not to, not to buy stuff that I can't afford in the moment, right? And uh, that's really helped a lot uh, in just saving up money and being able to put that money towards... Uh, buying things that will help me be self-sufficient for the future. Like, was it Dugan's message that put you in that predicament, or were you? No, um, you know, if you never bought a house, it, it's an extremely interesting experience, and really, it turned me off to getting big loans like that. 
um, you know, I found that you're basically, if you, you know, I had a car, obviously, because I had to get to work to pay for the, to pay for my mortgage. And uh, so you got to, you, you got to have something reasonably reliable. And a lot of times if you're young and trying to start out and do that kind of stuff, like I was, you got to take out a loan for that too. Right. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay for this stuff. And what it, what it ends yep. up doing is basically, you know, locking you into working all the time. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess indentured servitude. Yourself, so I'm not sure that it's well. I suppose you do that in indentured servitude too. But um, yeah, if you can find a way to get out of that, I find that it frees up a lot of your options. It, it frees up a lot of your time. It, you know, if you're in a job that you don't like, uh, you're going to be a lot more predisposed to not only be true to yourself and like speak your mind when when uh, when maybe a boss tells you to do something that you don't feel like you should do or uh morally you're against um i feel like if you don't i guess depend on them fully for your existence you have a lot more leeway with uh with what you can do in that situation and that was huge that was huge right there that was huge what he just said is the the primary that it's the it's paramount and center to what is wrong with the United States and the world. And that is the, it should be very clear that, you know, when you go into a store and you spend your money on something and then like, you don't expect to leave the store without it, right? Like you expect to take it with you when you leave the store and have it your way, right? Like that's, that's the way that it is. And that's because that is the game of money, right? And it seems fair in certain, in certain uh, aspects until you realize that that is, how it works unconditionally in all regards. Yep. Yeah, our lives have been one hundred percent working for money. That is, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and exactly what you said. Um, and there's been multiple jobs where I quit. And nobody has quit the company in easily over five to ten years. Everybody's always been fired or let go. And I've quit. And the reason why is because I had my, you know, my personal interest and also my moral compass that, you know, I had to build for myself after years of bad decisions um, that, I dug my heels into and I said, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I'm at least sufficient enough to be able to take care of myself or my family for X amount of months or have that available and then be able to find the, you know, the next, uh, the next job, whether higher or lower paying or same equivalent. But once you find that you have your independence, you can literally say, Hey, I'm I'm not going to do that. That that is criminal or that could hurt somebody or that's not right. You, you know, things of that nature. And when you don't have that independence, when you don't have the ability because you didn't put forth or you didn't have the ability yet to or the understanding to put forth, then you you're basically putting yourself at the whim of what society dictates and our society is of indentured servitude whether that's through credit cards whether that's through yeah i think about it like you ever seen like a pirate movie 
ahead, where, like, Doug. they've got a scene where the pirates go into some treasure chest or something. There's, like, a bunch of fucking jewels in there and shit and, like, shiny objects. And then you're, like, watching, you're like, wow, those are kind of cool. But, like, uh, if you think about what that would actually be like, if you got all those jewels, it's like, you'd be holding them all and you'd be going, like, wow, these are shiny and stuff. But, you know, what the actual fuck is this? Like, I don't know what this, this little green jewel is. You know, is that any good or is that worth anything? Or, you know, I guess it's really just how much I like them. You know, if, it, if they're shiny and I like them, I guess there's some value there. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're really really uh worth all that much and that's the exact same way that if, if we could without without bias if we could see the way that money was really in its form that's the way that it would look it would look like what's up hey, hey doug 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 let me interject for one second uh i see exactly what you're saying and basically that ruby, that that jade, that gemstone, the the gold, the silver, diamonds, all that—that's all pretty and everything, but that's all determinate on a no, no, civilized no. society. What that I'm has saying, a banking system and a hierarchy, because if we if we don't have what that I'm, available, those jewels don't. Uh, yeah, but what I'm what I'd but what I'm saying is that they can actually see, like you can look bad. at those jewels and be like, these are kind of weird. You know, like these are kind of like some weird, you know, it's a bunch of bright colored, rainbow colored jewels. Like who gives a shit about this? That's how, that's how, you know, if things were proper, people would really see, because people, people see money in uh, imagery. Like when they see a U.S. dollar, they see something concrete and they have a supposition of value in their head of like how many things they can buy of the thing, you know, from the unit. And that's like permanently connected. And it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot you know, people, people, you think about the things that people do for money, like people, it's okay to do something extreme for food or for water because you need food and water to live and you're not going to do very well if you don't have them, right? People shouldn't be doing extreme things for money, but that's the way that it is. Everything that's extreme is like always about money. It becomes like the centerpiece, but what it really is, is like, you should think of it like a bunch of goofy ass jewels. That's all it is. It's just fake. Well, now yep. it's become that you wanting the homestead is doing something extreme for food. Like yeah. the, the roles have completely changed. Yeah, it, 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 it's funny because there is, and even still in today's society, people want to say, oh, you're a country, you're a hick, you're a this, oh, you're a redneck. Oh, you're a poor white trash, barefoot, you know, you know, dirt road walking mofo. End of the day, these are the people that have more knowledge on how to be able to survive day to day when shit freaking fails and we no longer have these semi trucks delivering groceries. We no longer have the electrical grid to be able to pump clean, fresh water to your house. Or electricity to be able to heat your house, or whatever it may be, or I'll, even I'll bring you. natural gas or propane to your house to be able to heat it. You know, these are things that we have to freaking start finding. We're, we're not going to get a leader that's going to come out of the woodwork and tell us all what we need to do to be to be free. Right? We just know we just know that we're not free. We, we're not free the way that this is looking, right? And it's just going downhill from here. What we have to do is we gotta we gotta completely separate 
ourselves from the, the source of uh, tyranny so they can't stick their hand in our pocket. We got to separate their hand and make it make it known when the hand is going in and when they're uh, like like right now tyranny's hiding and pretending that it's not tyranny. And so we need a separation between people's identity all over the world and the coercion that comes into their lives in whatever form it is and make like a clear separation and identify and identify that separation with like moral, you know, like a person needs to do what's, what's right and what they think is right. Not what is money, right. Which has been the rule this, this entire time. And once, once you can get some people to do that and then the state goes after them, which, which is automatic. I mean, it's necessary for that to happen. Because you're challenging, you're challenging the state's existence. Once once that happens, eventually you you get to the place where like all this tech that we're sold all the time, like when we buy a new car, we're like, wow, this is a fancy car. All this technology, my my gas emissions, my all these things that we don't know anything about. All this tech has been developed for the past hundred years in isolation as business secrets. But it's all published. It's all out there, and it's all ripe for just like being available to the public to where people can people can utilize this stuff without it being a product. The problem is that because the way that money is and the way that people have to predate on others as a model for economics, like pretty much no matter what they do, the, the primary impetus is sale, 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 sale. Then they have to, you know, they have to create uh, artificial models that generate their their income by taking away shit that people could use. You see what I'm saying? Taking, taking away things that people could use, like like their ability to make their own gas, their ability to make their own, you know, their own fuel patents and their own plastic patents and understanding plastics and understanding all this technology that humanity should have learned as people for the past hundred years is entirely proprietary information for no reason at all, other than that the schools and stuff don't teach it because they teach the model of money. Doug, hey, just to give you a heads up, I've had uh, a big turnout in the amount of people asking to be able to check the verification of the certain PDFs on turning plastic into uh, fuels of different sorts, just to be able to make sure that, you know, they're not hybrided uh, or anything, you know, I'm doing a group outreach. The more people that ask, okay, I'm a, I'll send you that after this. I'll send you. I wood. don't have the wood one. Yeah, I'll send you wood I know about this. gasification. Oh, really? Hell yeah. Yeah, that's gasification, and I've seen people run four cylinder, six cylinder, and eight cylinders on that. I've also seen people run diesels on gasification, and during the gasification process, you're actually making coal. Um, which you can use to be able to heat your house well, or bro, you, you know, can burn you can burn outdoor, whatever wood be. in absence of oxygen and make you can make you know I mean you can make you make all kinds of basically you can make methanol you can make whatever you need to make you can then you can then take it and run it through very simple uh, like oxidizing metal metal organic framework uh, catalyst and then render out fuel. But then you just put in your regular ass car, so you can like, you can make fuel from wood. 
to make gasoline from wood. Yep. Hey, uh, I, I, I want to bring yes. on uh, Mr. Mike. Uh, Mr. Mike, I, I've, I've explained a couple things to you, uh, and Dark has also explained a couple things to you on different subjects. We're not going to talk about those here right now. But what are... What is something that you're you're planning on doing for your independence? You you told me something today, and I, I think that is a great start, and that that is a great way to be able to reach out to people. If you just want to give a a little snippet on your idea on oh, what you're trying to get back video? into. Yeah, I used to be. Yes, sir, I am. Years ago. And, uh, I don't know, when I got out of the military, I didn't really do it. So, I just dropped the license, and, I don't know, I was thinking about it, and I ended up getting a really nice tower, um, a portable communication, you know, you could use it for a flagpole, I guess too, but it would be something you could put a antenna on and get a nice line of sight. I need a good tower. Yeah, so I got that and I was like, man, you know, something like this falls in my lap. You know, I might as well uh, get something to get something to uh, connect to it, you know? For sure. So... You got any of those... It's a really... You you got you know those cheap really Chinese van packs now you get the uh, like a like a ten watt uh, like car radio and you're wired up with some batteries just throw it in a Alice pack. I, I was actually telling him about the uh, the oh, Baofeng yeah, yeah. radios the thirty dollar ham radios from China and. Literally, you just do the adapter for the uh, antenna, and that little handheld CB-style radio, um, you're able to communicate all the way across the world as oh, long yeah. as you have an antenna. <laughs> but, hey, at the – yeah, literally, but at the end of the day, not everybody is going to be working on water. Not everybody's going to be working on food. Not everybody is going to be working on heat or electricity. But if you have the ability, let's say things get really bad in this country, and you have the ability to be able to reach out to well, right. the next the county, if, you know, the next state, if our leaders or, that we elect you know, in allow it to get to a point where where there is no communication, you know, yeah, the ham radio, I mean. You got to learn some frequencies mm-hmm. and the rules, you know, when to key up and when not to key up and etiquette. And it's something that, you know, if you're not transmitting, you know, you don't have to get a radio that's got GPS so that, you know, now you can be tracked. So if you, if you got, if you have a radio, if you are a ham radio operator, I mean, if all went to heck and, and the government was gone, who knows what could happen. You know, but if all that happened and you are a ham, you're going to be part of 
how we communicate, you know, to rebuild. So. Yeah, everybody, everybody yeah, should so be on the Yeah, you know, exactly. You're going to be part of the rebuilding. So you get a ham, right? You're going to be the outreach. Years, to be honest with you, but with my experience in the military and my experience in ham radio, I would say, you know, you would be much more effective if you were used to using the radio, used to talking on the radio. Practice. So that, yeah, so that once something comes in, you know, I mean, like, how often do you hear a kid get on a CB and start doing Breaker 1-9 and just the things they say and the way they talk, it interrupts the the flow of how normal communication happens. And, you know, I had a little bit of experience with that in the military. So, yep. And what do you dissemination of information? That that, I think it's an awesome thing, unfortunately that could be you very useful for everybody sooner than later. I was going to, I was going to say what, what, like, what do you think uh, in terms of, what uh, were you going to ask Mike? Like what's the most, what's the most useful thing that uh, like a useful tip that you give for somebody else that's getting into ham or uh, uh, like getting independent in general, uh, a useful like shortcut that you found that was helpful for you that you wish somebody would have told you. Well, man, anything like that? Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm. I would say I'm searching in my brain on a shelf from the early '90s. What about uh? What about shoulder mics, hand mics? I like hand mics. Like well, I, I think the little hand mics he's are digging back. Are, uh, awesome for uh, like radio. And if you didn't, if you didn't uh, think to try it, you might go a long time talking on the radio without a. Got a hand mic. Yeah, I I used to use some handy. I had handy talking, you know. I had a mobile unit as well, and I participated in a couple of events with the club, and uh, where we did communications for like the Special Olympics, and that man, that was like such a fun day. So, but uh, you know, if you're gonna get radios. Power. Yeah. You gotta have power. So, you know, if you're getting something to prep, you better prep for it because if you don't have power, you know, and I don't know, I have, I mean, I'm like, I've like had a thought and picked up the phone and we had the conversation. You know, when you started to bring it up, I couldn't remember what we talked about. But, uh, I haven't looked into the new radios. I don't know what's available. They're just cheaper but with these power supplies with the little, with the little solar panels on it. I I would imagine most of these little radios would run off that, and you can plug it into the USB. So. Oh yeah. You know. It's... Yeah. It, it just it just depends yeah, on how much radio higher, usage you're planning on you doing. Get higher but you know, we, we talked about solar panels. You know, on high frequency. And that's where you're gonna be able to get the distance. I I agree with Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, but at the same time if we end up running into social disorder um, nobody's worried about a license. You know, you're literally allowed to operate a ham radio in a time of natural I'll defend, disaster. 
I'll and defend stuff your of right. that nature to Absolutely be able to help pass agree. out the yes. message and I help first To regulate you, I'll say, no, Mike, need, Mike, Mike, Mike needed to calm out there. FCC needs to get out of here. Hey, hey, Mike, uh, Dugan just literally volunteered to come all the way down to our area to stand in front of the door to tell the FCC, hey, you know what? You need to back up, man. This is Mike's well, right right here. I'm going to – I got to do some investigating. Because but, I no, with all the literally it is – That uh, if I picked up a little handy talk, yeah, I'd probably have plenty of people to talk to and – you know, all over town. And I and I told you I have a connection to be able to get you refurbished ham radios for a uh, better price than new market value. And, you know, they're going to already be yeah, upgraded with uh, auxiliary fans now, or whatever they mean to. Now, I will say so, this. Just like I said, general, I got your back. For, for people. Oh, hell yeah. Don't be right. afraid. <laughs> It's not that you want to think outside the box. It's that you want to you want to know that there is no box. So, on frequencies and stuff, maybe you think about maybe, maybe you're thinking about radios, but maybe you get more excited thinking about transmitting on laser frequencies, right? Or you should, you could transmit in like the uh, laser wavelength, or maybe uh, you know like we're talking about power here, power requirements. For power requirements, you can actually uh, you can furb your own batteries. So I would suggest anybody that's serious about um, getting into power and stuff, and it's actually very uh, it's a very natural science that's fun to learn about. Get into just checking out um, checking out like YouTube's got some great resources on building your own cells, and there's tons of them out there where you're using different electrolytes and cathodes and anodes and building your own batteries that have their own characteristics that are cheap. And in some cases you can, you can rebuild like a dead bed. Like let's say if you keep all your uh, lead acid batteries, yep. you can get, you can, you can, you know, safely drain out your sulfuric acid out of your battery, recharge it, use uh, like different types of electrolytes, make a rechargeable battery out of it. All kind of, there's, there's so many options that people wouldn't know about because they, they're kept from learning that stuff. It's all out there now. Like, especially in the last 10 years, that stuff's gone everywhere. Doug. Doug, uh, one thing I will bring up is golf cart batteries, marine deep cycle batteries. Once they get under a certain uh, percentage of uh, capacity holding rating, people just dump them and say, oh, these things are bad. But literally, if you hot charge those things, um, you can bring that thing back up to like easily 90 plus percent efficiency and not have to spend, you know, ridiculous amounts of money for deep cycle batteries like uh, golf carts and marine deep cycle batteries. You, you can go to the junkyard and the scrapyard and just I'm not saying to throw them in your trunk, but if you asked a person and say, yeah. hey, you mind if I grab a couple of these, typically they really don't give a crap. Um, and you can see if you can refurbish them. If not, guess what? They'll yeah. pay you 15 to $30 for that battery in a recycling program. Check out. So end of the day, I mean, you have a ton of free options out there to be able to build up that 
Now, Doug, have you ever heard about this? Uh, 1960s and older's uh, and older alternators. Oh yeah, being used as you turn, uh, windmill. You, uh, uh, turbines, you can turn any uh, any motor can be power. turned into. You might have to rewire. Ones, but the you have to do some rewiring depending on how your uh, your stator and your uh, like your entire setup is. Like depending on what era of uh, motor. Like older stuff is obviously easier, but you can you can rewire that stuff. I would go on. I will go on YouTube. They probably have an example. Like if you have something in mind, a particular appliance that you got sitting around, they probably have examples online of the exact model that you have that you're thinking about of somebody doing that. And uh, you can check it out. And I would, uh, I would look at learning about just, just get into some, you know, precursory knowledge about electrolytes and batteries and making your own because the, the electrolytes meaning the thing that's between the two poles, you know, that you hook up to the battery cables, how the, how the electricity flows through it, that's the electrolyte. And uh, there's all kinds of them. And they control the voltage. Different electrolytes and anode-cathode combinations give you different voltage. And they're as simple as, like, a glass jar, you know. So you can really, in, in, in generating your own power from windmills or solar panels, the highest you know, the highest amount of cost that goes with that is your batteries. I mean, if you run, if you run on normal, normal power consumption, if you run that on rechargeable batteries, you're looking at like, I mean, in some cases for people with high power consumption, you look at like $15,000 worth of batteries. You know, if you made the equivalent voltage with, with making your own electrolytes and using like jars or whatever, some, something that you're making yourself, you're going to go down to like, I mean, it's going to be like under a thousand dollars for sure for like an entire house. Yeah. There, uh, Doug, I, I wish I could remember the name of this, uh, this book that was put out. Uh, a American journalist went down to Cuba, uh, to basically look at the, the Cuban revolution, like the industrial revolution. I think it's Cuban industrial revolution, something along those lines. But uh, they give schematics on how they turned uh, ceiling fan motors into electric uh, uh, boat propellers or turned ceiling fan motors into alternators for cars and this and that. And literally, they're showing people that have the tech from the 1950s with really no new tech coming in and how they revitalized and repurposed everything under the sun to be able to do a new function. There's a ceiling fan out there from the 1940s that now is churning uh, dough to be able to make Cuban bread in Cuba. I mean, it, it is ridiculous, but it's amazing the ingenuity of people when they don't have formal education, they don't have formal training, but a small select group of people did have this information and they passed it along amongst the masses and the masses ended up taking it and using it and finding their own independence, even in, yeah. you know, and that's, a very and that's what it's all about. It's like, uh, totalitarian, you know, this, this whole thing uh, right now, state, like we're getting, you know, we're getting like stimulation pay also known as communism, where we're just getting money out of nowhere sent to bank accounts for people, you know, in the United States and uh, like controlled, you know, you know, economic recession and, uh, uh, constriction through regulatory control for COVID-19 
all this stuff is a sure sign that you want to go the other direction, you know, because what they're doing right now is, is it's just like when you, when you go and spend some of your money on something, like if you go and invest in somebody else's business, you know, the more that you invest, the more you say you have in the business, right? Well, the way they're going to undo our rights here and everywhere else, they don't do it with the, with the, the gun. The gun comes afterwards. They have to establish the law first. And the way they establish that is by loaning to you. So then they have a say in your business, right? And, uh, and your business being your personal life, like your, your experience here, our lives. And that's, and that's kind of the subject where, where we're all at right now, where it's like, you know, they can dictate to you, hey, we closed down all your other businesses. So you got, if you go to the hardware store, you got to wear a mask or whatever. And it, they can interchange and exchange the wearing a mask for another role in the future. And so this is the whole game of, of why you got to get independent right now so that you can set yourself up to be a little more flexible if they tell you to do, you know, if they're trying to get you to do something that you don't want to do, but everybody else thinks that you should do it too. That they get everybody else drinking the Kool-Aid, but you don't want it. If you if you got your own stuff and you don't have to rely on theirs, and if you really don't need it, then you can make a real choice, right? But if you don't make a plan, you're really you're really kind of uh, you know you're you're making that choice a lot harder to make. I would agree with you, Doug. Um, now, uh, I, I know we didn't get too deep on Mr. Mason. Uh, I, we brought in Mr. Mike, and he's on the outside looking in. He, he's not a fence-sitter. A fence-sitter is somebody who's like, oh, I don't know if I like this side or that side. Mr. Mike, he literally is a gentleman who has been supporting himself and his family and busting his own ass uh, underneath his own you know, his own brand and his own title, uh, and surviving off of that, and not paying attention to politics or anything else like that. Now, Mr. Mason, what are some of the things that you have actually done to be able to become more self sufficient uh, or more independent? Uh, like, yeah, you know. Well, can I give? What is it? Is it food? Is it water? You know, fill us in on this. All right. Sorry, I was killing the heater. I killed the heater. Oh, hold on. Give Doug a second. It'll calm down. Oh, Doug, why is it you start it for ten seconds? We hear the the roar of an engine. I think it's like the algorithm of how it off. It's probably normalization. Maybe like a normalization thing. Yeah. Yeah, the change, like like sound canceling or something. All right, Mister Mason, fill us in on what you actually have done because you said in the text message on that you found independence and you kind of gave us a a little hint on some of the things, chickens, this or that. But I mean. Like, what have you actually dug your heels on? I mean, and even if it was just mildly, you know, one a baby step is still better than no step at the end of the day. So nobody's judging, but 
you know, I, I'm kind of curious because I, I think you might have, you know, at least one thing off oh, of the sure. the grid uh, so, reliance yeah, like setup that you've taken off the table. I feel like it's uh, pertinent to the story. So, growing up and still to this day, I don't know uh, how big yeah. a deal like deer season is down there for you guys. It's different in every state, but uh, in Wisconsin. In Florida, in Florida, they call our deer dog deer because we have the smallest deer in all of the United States and they want to embarrass us uh, because our deer are about the size of a a fully grown bull mastiff. (laughs) But uh, anyways, so deer season in Wisconsin is a huge deal, right? It's uh, kind of like a statewide holiday. And... uh, a lot of people now, they have, like, you know, big built-up second houses, basically, that they'll hunt out of. But uh, the way we've done it since I was young, and actually since my dad was young, before him, uh, we, have a, we have a shack that my grandpa put on a piece of property out in the middle of the woods. And uh, there's no electricity. Obviously, there's, there's no running water. Um, and so nine days a year, you get a little bit of practice as to what it would actually be like to live without that stuff. You know, we don't we don't necessarily have to worry about uh, like constant water production because we just bring like 50 gallons of water, right? But uh, we use lanterns and wood heat, and uh, you know, cook on a propane stove with a five-pound propane tank, and uh, that kind of like that. That's where I got my main ideas for how to design my house around being self-sufficient and really my ideas for going forward so like i just yeah it sounds awesome doesn't it it actually i i could talk about it for days it's uh it's always my favorite nine days of the year the the people that we do it with they're they're like my family you know that's uh it's a great tell yeah tell us about tell us what's your like what's like your favorite parts that you personally think about when just tell us about like tell us about a couple good good things that people can look forward to if they decide to look in that direction Okay, I'm just going to shill the heck out of it. If you guys can find friends that do something of this sort, like Tomorrow, or whatever. Daddy, it's so much time. Okay. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on one second, Mason. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dark, Dark, love you, brother. I know your daughter needs to go back to bed. Uh, we can hear her over everybody else right okay. now, my friend. Yeah, um... So my favorite part of it is all right. I think we're good. That, Go uh, ahead. You know, it's just it literally is like we have you know six or seven guys out there for nine days a year, and you basically are responsible for you know everything that you need throughout the day. We have to uh, you know make our own food to keep the fire going throughout the day, and everybody's got to work together to get their part of the job done. I don't know if that sounds weird or not, but like obviously you're hunting. No, it's. It's in a it's in an old garage that was converted. Are you guys to a in a shack. cabin or are you guys it's just like a small probably on the uh, property? I think it's like sixteen by twenty or so. Gotcha. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, eating there obviously. There's an in the indoor room, uh, enclosure. You can move just basically to sleep in. Yeah. But uh, my favorite part of the day is uh, you know when you get done hunting, you hunt. Usually go out in the morning at, at sun up, obviously come in for lunch or whatever, and go back out until sundown, which is like four thirty when you're hunting, 
uh, up here. And um, when you come back in, everybody's always got a story to tell, right? What what happened at their stand that day, what they saw. You know, oftentimes uh, deer usually move right, you know, at light, at daybreak, and even more at dusk. So oftentimes you all have to, like, group up and go out and drag a deer back home, too, which is always what? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, there's you a deer the up here, and we're in an area where we're usually you guys share the meat. We usually have more deer than there are guys hunting, so we we uh, we also cut all our own meat there at the shack. We take a day towards the end of the season and cut up all the deer, and then uh, package it all up, take it home. Now, let me ask you about that. So, when you're living off the the uh, grid, you guys have water. no electricity. We we have Are you guys bringing bottled water, or is it like a pump well, gallon or jugs of water? And uh, you know, it is over Thanksgiving too, the the week of hunting, the the nine days of hunting. So, if we need more water, yes, very cold. Yeah, the water has to stay inside the shack. Yeah. So it's cold. It's cold out there too. Also. Gotcha. So basically, you guys treat it as like a uh, a community uh, six, effort. Yep. If literally out of you know how many guys are out there? Seven, eight, nine guys. Six, seven. If only one person, you know, gets a deer, you guys split it all amongst yourselves. Uh, I'm assuming from what you said. But if everybody gets a, a deer, you know, the you all chip into the harvesting the butchering and rendering of whatever you guys need to to be able to sustain yourselves yeah. yep it's a it's um, a it's a we, group effort it's not charity not it's a group effort hunting correct you know, probably uh mid 2000s out there um we there hasn't been a year where we've only got one deer we're, we're pretty lucky in that regards but we would split it if we only got one um there's usually plenty of meat to go around <laughs> more than enough No, they're just whitetail. Heck yeah, dude. What do you guys have up there? Mule deer? Okay. Um, I, I recently had a, uh, a a hunting trip to be able to get some deer on uh, private property. And I was out there at 3 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock. And the only thing that showed up was... Uh, the cows on the property and you know there's an epidemic of hogs you know in certain parts and i have one of those parts of florida where we have an epidemic of hogs even the hogs didn't show up and we're in a 20 foot high tree stand and it it was one of those where it's like son of a gun man we end up walking through the palmetto bushes and this and that, hoping to be able to find something. The only thing we kept on finding were more cows. And yeah, it was like, uh, damn it, we can't take a cow time. and say it looked like a deer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Doug, what is your, yeah. what's your history on, uh, on hunting? I, I know you've done some hunting. You talked in one of your streams on uh using the brains for uh, uh tanning a hide 
Like, um, I mean, I usually, and mostly, you hunt yeah, I mostly or, hunt whitetail, you know, and that's about it. Give I mean, us I'll a little hunt, insight you know, on this. I don't side. hunt predators, so if it's, you know, I only, I only hunt herbivores, um, which pretty much means like whitetail. You know, I'd really like to do like moose would be great, and so would uh, elk, but I don't have that in my area. I've just got whitetail, so I, I, that's that's pretty much it. And then everything else is like you know, strictly like predator control, you know, I do shoot, I'll shoot, uh, like I don't, I don't shoot coyotes for no reason, but I will shoot them if they're, um, like when their populations rise, they kind of go through like, a like, a a peak during, uh, like actually right now is like their peak when you start getting a lot of, you know, we're talking like significant, you know, we're talking like coyotes that coming up to the porch and shit while you're outside and stuff, you know? So it's like, you know, significant stuff where if you didn't do anything about it, like you could very well have like your yeah. toddler meet a coyote in the yard, you know, which is no, no joke. Yeah. Yeah. Like Australia, dingo ate my baby. But Hey, Hey Doug, I did tell you uh, one thing that they're finding out here in Florida uh, because we do have a uh, pretty high coyote population. Yeah. Um is that whenever you drop a coyote, they do the roll call at night. Oh, yeah. And if one coyote yeah. doesn't report yeah, that back, makes sense. They're very, they're very, uh, uh, they're very adaptive. And I like to be I, able to, you know, fill like in that spot. I don't, I don't shoot them. Yep, but... so I, don't, I don't like, I don't hunt them or shoot them or anything like that. Um, and uh, I don't shoot them if they run away and stay away. Like, I, I only shoot them if they're like, you know, doing stuff they're not really supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Does that make sense? But uh, just just to give an idea, like other than that, I, I just hunt deer, you know. And yeah. I usually, I usually, I typically, um, yeah. Like Missouri's kind of uh, every state's a little different. Missouri, you have um, like you have like nuisance clause. So in Missouri, you know, like my whole property has like food on it. So if I have deer in here, like legally, in terms of like legally, I like I'm I'm, I'm legally covered to take deer like any time throughout the year like i don't have to wait for tags or a season or anything like that because anytime a deer anytime deer are in here you're eating crops you know what i mean because i have like i have like uh lumber and nut trees and like you know stands of trees anytime they're in here they're like rub, doing rubbing you know or eating or whatever so like so like you can just pick and choose so what i'll do is i usually i usually just take one like I, yep. like, I always watch them, you know, so, I'll, like, whatever deer I take, I'll watch for, like, a year, usually. Like, I watch them for a year, and then uh, and then if it's the right time to take one, then I'll take one, but that's about it, you know. And then if it's if it's hunting season, then it's hunting season. If not, then, you know, if I, if I get tags or whatever, I'll get a tag if it's the season. If it's not, now, I won't. Now, now, Doug, I'll give you a heads up. Here in Florida, uh, we have the same nuisance animal clause. Obviously, you can't go out and, you know, just shoot a gator unless you have a tag. You can't kill a Florida panther. You can't kill a bald eagle. But the minute any in the endangered animal comes onto your property and destroys your livestock or way of life or any kind of infrastructure – you're legally allowed to be able to, you they know, take it out. They, and I'm not saying for uh, people to take out bald eagles. Right there. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, we literally exactly they record uh, they recognize the nuisance animal clause on that on that aspect. <laughs> but I at the same time, I would not go around saying, "Oh, this this nuisance bald eagle came on my property and I had to put one in it." I wouldn't recommend. Yeah, I mostly eat chicken. I mean, chicken's chicken's really good because up. it's so efficient. You know, I mean, you're you're, I mean, you're really like. I mean, most of the time I eat eggs. You know, like I actually eat very little chicken. I eat mostly eggs. Heck yeah! yeah. Now um, I, I'm. Pretty sure we're coming up at the end of the podcast. We lost Dark, um, but uh, basically where it's at is uh, we're going to give Mr. Mason an opportunity to give his insight on what he's going to do or what he thinks is the most uh, – the the best bang for your buck on being able to start your independence for the cheapest, whether it's, you know, going to scrap yards, Craigslist, whatever it may be, Mr. Mason, go ahead. And then Mr. Navy vet, we just want to know after that, what uh, you plan well, on doing uh, to be able to secure your independence. Really cold during the winter, but, uh, so Mason, me, go ahead. The, brother. the biggest factor to me is being able to heat your house without any outside input at all. And I love wood heat for that. That's uh, that's my favorite move I've made so far. And bang for your buck, I mean, I got a uh, I got a stove with a catalytic converter in it that works fine for like eight hundred bucks off Craigslist, right? It's probably a couple thousand dollar stove. I mean, it's like ten years old, but it works great. It uh, doesn't look too bad. And you fill up the firebox and turn that cat on and dampen it down, and it'll burn for like fourteen hours, right? And hot. Too. Oh, that's great. So that's my favorite thing I've done so far. Um, that and water. You can get a well. That's uh, obviously probably not, you know, that's going to be expensive if you don't buy a land with one already. But that's, uh, that's a big deal, too. Oh, I have something to add after uh, Mr. Mike uh, throws in his two cents on what he wants to do uh, to be able to start his sustainability. And uh, just giving you a heads up, brother, uh, Mr. Mason, I think I have something that's going to help you out immensely. Yeah. So, hey, Mr. Mark, uh, go ahead. What do you plan on doing for your your independence besides uh, the ham radio operations? I guess it would be cheaper if I build them all myself. Solar panel, huh? you can. You you can build them. They're a little hard. The batteries, though, you can do. Batteries will save you a bunch of money. Uh, honestly, no. Yeah, the batteries I need to get some information about. But Yeah, could, buying the panels are going to be cheaper. Iron, I could, you know, if it's soldering it, I can do it. So i got to get some information about you that. You learn about because, DC power. Uh, DC power, you like DC DC powered electronics? That's what you know. It's pretty much your, like your solar setup is just your panels, a charge controller, then your battery bank, and then the like the fuses and safety stuff in between. That's it. Okay. 
Right. Yep. And then if you're going to AC, you just need a converter from DC to AC. But you, the batteries are the easy part. Building your own panels, I would recommend just buying good quality panels and seeing as you're in the same area as me, you're going to get more use than people in northern states, I would say. But uh, look on the cheap, like I was telling you, you know, at, at the scrapyard and stuff like that for batteries. Uh, that's what I want to study you can, next. Uh, um, you know, DC power, electronics, them, like you know, basic electronics. Dude, you actually mentioned um, a uh, a book. I think it was called Basic, like Understanding Basic Electronics. Do you remember what? It was? Yeah, yeah, that's called. Uh, what is it? Applied electronics? No, it's. Uh, oh shit! I don't have. It. I got it in my house. It's. It's just a. It's just like a general. It's. It's a real well organized. General topical electronics book, particularly for DC stuff. You know, like AC stuff. AC stuff is good, but the DC stuff is really what you want to know. Yeah. For making stuff, you know. All right, gentlemen. All right, gentlemen. So here's my uh, my final tidbit of the night. Uh, if you collect as much cardboard, just like with the uh, paralysis for making fuel out of uh, plastic waste, plastic bags, plastic bottles, whatever it may be. Uh, here's another thing. Cardboard boxes, you know, wood shaving, stuff like that. Find a 55-gallon drum, put it in there, add water, uh, basically turn paper and cardboard into pulp. And then basically put it into a press to be able to press out as much water as you possibly can and let it set up and dry. And you can use those as uh, basically heating logs or fireplace logs, whatever you want to do. There's a lot of information on YouTube already about that. But that is one thing that people are missing out on. Basically, you can refine cardboard and paper yeah, into, now, the other you know, thing to add to that, so, so there's a that process, you can end up burning called, in the future for your own torrefaction, um, which is an industrial term. And that would be like, they, yeah. they do use torrefaction in like surface prepping of wood in industry, but that's not what I'm talking about. That's just like use of the same word. Torrefaction that I'm talking about is one where you take biomass and you have to you have to make some kind of press, but when I say that, don't get scared because we're literally talking like this could be some shit in your garage. But you like you know you you cook a bunch of biomass uh, without oxygen, so you put it in a tank that's closed off, cook it, and then you're gonna and then you're gonna crush it down to a smaller size, so that way you can stack. So the idea is your energy density goes up, and it's basically it's it's very similar to charcoal. But it's very, uh, it's very energy dense, and that's, uh, it's kind of like in the same ballpark. That's why I mentioned it. Torrefaction. No, I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, the only thing I was, yeah, that's the all. The reason I brought up the wooden cardboard is because, or uh, paper and cardboard, is because there is a ton of it. 
Uh, but whenever, yeah, whenever you're refining your own wood and woodworking and stuff like that, you, you can basically make your own, you know, wood pellets for smoking, for heating, for whatever it may be. Uh, and that's the torrefaction process. Um, gentlemen, I want to say we have come to the end of our podcast. Um, if anybody has anything to say, say it now. If yeah, yeah, not, I do I'm have going to give, uh, Mr. Mason, um, the opportunity the about, and the uh, honor. PC, yeah. Go for it. So, forth. so, because I do know a little bit about electronics, but I have not yeah. studied the solar. And believe me, I'm not at all sure. intimidated. Well, I gotcha. just mm-hmm. haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. Got to look at something. So, are you telling me that if I go solar and I run off batteries i would be better off switching all my appliances so i don't have to go from dc to ac to run my ac Uh, now there's two ways that you can do it so if you're using ac everything is set up in a normal person's house right for anybody listening everything set up in a normal person's house is ac all the time right alternating current it's going to be at 60 hertz frequency for the for the uh, united states and when you do DC, that's like that's like all your stuff that you actually use that you plug in the wall. And the difference is that the AC, and this is just kind of like I'm just going into talking about it. If somebody's listening and doesn't understand this stuff, just so that they know we're like what we're talking about. So like, yeah. so like the AC is really good at transmitting ultra long distances because we sell our power, we don't make it local, right? I mean, some people have power plants. But it's a lot of it goes really long distances, so they standardize it in an in an alternating current format, shoot it around the country, gets in your wall. Then that's what when you got like a wall wart, a little bumper pack on whatever it is that you're plugging in, that's converting it to DC. And so you always typically, in most cases, for all the doodads we use, typically get stepped down to DC or converted to DC. So if you learn if you learn uh, the DC stuff in general, that's what we're kind of talking about here. And in the in the solar panels, it's 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 literally they have you've got like three primary types of cells for solar, and they convert solar energy, you know, actual sun energy into an electrical signal, but it's actually or into a voltage, you know, differential, but it's but it's pretty low efficiency. In the scheme of things, it works good for solar, and those panels nowadays are pretty cheap. And then you got to have a charge controller that's DC because the signal is always going to be DC. And then you feed that 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 available voltage from the panels or the windmill or whatever it is go through your charge controller that says, "Hey, don't blow up these batter this battery bank." Like the battery bank is so many volts, whatever you select, 12, 24, 48, whatever. It's that many volts. Don't charge it up more than that, or else you're gonna, you know, because we don't want to blow up our batteries, you know. And that's kind of the right. that's the kind of setup that he's talking about. And DC is like the great way to to get into that. And there's a ton of info on that. And uh, one of the like a really cool website that I would recommend. That's kind of it's kind of formatted weird. It's like an old school uh, format setup, but it's gold, pure gold on this website. It's called uh, build it solar, 
like B U I L D I T solar. And they have an entire index in there of like experimental data on like people that have tried different stuff with solar, water, heat, um, solar constant, concentrated solar power, which is very cool. Concentrated solar power is different than solar panels. So, solar panels are based around electricity. And in the scheme of electricity, they're really not that efficient. I mean, they're, they're kind of magical because it's like you're just making electricity from the sun. But in the scheme of things, solar concentrated power is where you use the thermal energy from the sun. It's way more efficient. Now, not only is it way more efficient, it's long distance. Like you can shoot it around with mirrors, do all kinds of stuff. You can heat up, heat up molten salt and like uh, make power plants, like home power plants. I mean, it's just the sky's the limit. You'd, you'd want to go into it and look at it, but I'd recommend going to builditsolar.com. That's awesome. Okay. I want to add in uh, one thing. Cool. Uh, Light, how close are we to the time here? All right. And yeah. Cool. This will only take 20. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we still have 18 minutes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> one, I want to apologize. <laughs> my my uh, child woke up, guys. Sorry about that. I had to. Do my <laughs> uh, no problem. Yeah. Thank you. Brother, yeah, I, we can all understand quiet that, enough man. to hide from yeah, And she from sounded guys, like a but, sweetie. Uh, Just pretty quiet. Pretty like quiet. a demon right, cool. like my um, children. So, no, so <laughs> I think that, you know, the majority of my, uh, the majority of, uh, I guess, when I looked at this as prepping as opposed to as, like, you know, the life that I desire to live, you know, unimpeded with no encroachment and... But the, when I looked at the prepping, it was, um, you know, storing and, you know, storing meaning like food, you know, water, uh, and then mostly security. And that's been my the majority of my focus. And I have not stopped with security. I'm continuing building uh, and building and building. And they all feed into each other. They do. They do. And it's all, it's all apart. And, you know, there's no way, like if I don't continue building the security items, then there's no way that I'll have an arm army of homeless people. So I have to continue doing that. Um, but I, um, all joking aside, um, I, I started, I realized that I was looking at this all wrong. And, you know, we're looking at like, you know, knowledge because I can't currently homestead. Um, what knowledge could I acquire? So now I'm looking at things like, you know, electricity, like we discussed. I'm looking at things like, you know, building, creating, forging, um, you know, like firewood, lock picking, um, it, like, prying to like the, the um, propellants and energetics and you know things that I'm studying that ho hopefully will just be information but it could be information that could you know drastically like make an impact on my life and the life of others and bro bro could I could I drop a seed in there for yeah, you something me. something crazy me, that's uh okay so the, the big thing that I'm into right now, and this is like brand new for me. So there's uh, you know there's there's something that's called graphitic 
carbon nitride. And it's made from urea is like a common source of it. So like urea fertilizer that's available everywhere, you get it and you heat it, it's going to release all of its ammonia. So you want to do this outside. You have to heat it really high. You're you're going over like, you got to get it over 500 C. And uh, it'll turn into graphitic, graphitic carbon nitride. And it is a catalyst. So, so you can do water splitting with it or you use sunlight and like a quartz tube with some water and you turn it into hydrogen. So you can make hydrogen fuel and then uh, there's no electricity input. <laughs> and then, uh, mm. and, and then you can, uh, you can produce H H2O2, which is hydrogen peroxide. Now people, a lot of people don't know stuff about hydrogen peroxide because the stuff that we buy is usually like three to 5%. But if you get it higher than that, uh, which is normally not available, about the highest that you usually find is about 30%. That would be called, that would be known as high test car, uh, uh, hydrogen peroxide. And the reason that it's limited at 30% concentration is because if you got like 60% hydrogen peroxide, it's actually explosive. Like it's a high explosive. Yeah. Not only is it high explosive, it's a rocket fuel <laughs> also. It's a liquid propellant rocket fuel. So like the Germans sent the V2 into Britain on hydrogen peroxide. That's how, that's how much energy is in it. But anyway, this is just really cool energy stuff from just burning some urea in like a can. You can make the graphitic carbon nitride and then, uh, and then you can make like membranes out of it and you can like uh, just split straight up split water into oxygen and hydrogen and you can, you know, siphon off your hydrogen. You make a cutting torch. You can, uh, you can, you can, there's ways that you can store it in bottles and use it for powering vehicles or a stove or all this stuff, and it's just water and sun. And that's it. There's, not, there's no batteries. No nothing. It's crazy. That's awesome. So, I'd mention that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Also, um, reloading shotgun shells with no tools. Um, by the way, 0.177 pellets are, are uh, BBs are the same size as number four buck. Um, j- it, anything that, that you could potentially use that uh, I, I'm that's what I meant to. So that's what I would encourage you guys to like, what things could make your life easier when this life of consumption is gone, right? Those are the things I would consider. And then those are the things I would study and implement and work on and share with others and keep building. You know, buying a book only costs you the initial purchase. After that, the lifelong uh, knowledge that you gain from it and you can That's pass right. on to but, other people. Yeah, I put, I put all my shit on. Like, I, I do a lot of reading online. I have a no big habit uh, of buying uh, so, cheap-ass notebooks. I have a stack of notebooks. And anytime I read anything at all, then I'm like, man, I need to remember that. Even if it's unorganized, just writing it on paper, like I'll, I'll write on paper in shorthand so that I have it so that later on, if, the, if it's pulled out of the web, or if the web goes down or whatever, you know, and most of this stuff is like recipes or like, you know, it could be anything. It could be barbecue recipe. It could be 
how to make high, te- high test hydrogen peroxide. Who knows? Well, <laughs> but, so a lot of people comment on how remarkable Dugan's memory is. That what you're doing is uh, is an exercise. And when you uh, read something and then affirm it by writing it down, you're basically documenting it in your brain. And your brain oh, is yeah. like one of those old projectors with the slides, the big circle thing that goes chunk 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 and moves every time. Like so, there's all that shit living in that little you know brain of yours that you know when that moment comes, it'll chunk chunk go to the right slide where you remember, you know. Hey, hey. Dark and uh, Dugan, just to give you a heads up, I, I, I'm i getting a uh, text message saying uh, from Mr. Joe K, which was one of our first uh, guests on the, uh, uh, the podcast. Um, he put out, when's the latest collab with Dugan uh, Ashley? Oh, and primary yeah. and secondary, I totally the YouTube channel shame. said, I would love yeah, to do I, more I like with this him. I need to call him, and that is, yep, that is recent, and that is recent. So, yeah, we would definitely love, uh, oh, you know, I'm there's certain so people excited. that we want to be able to have where we. I'm so. Did we just lose? We just lose somebody. Are you still there, Cliffy? We lost Cliff. Okay. It always happens. All right. So, Mason, this is your opportunity to name the podcast. I would encourage you to remember things like Red Ants and, and Dugan's Pants. Uh, no, I'm kidding. This is your chance to uh, name the episode. All right. I'm going to name it Diamond Pants. And, uh, and here's why. So, that's a little reference to the stock situation we were talking about earlier. And uh, basically, what it means is you, you know, that people are buying the GameStop stock and holding on to it and not selling, right? And uh, no matter the dips or the highs. And uh, I think that's a great metaphor uh, to what we're talking about in terms of being self-sufficient or at least trying to be self-sufficient, right? Because uh, there's going to be times where it's hard and times where it's uh, really great, learning a lot. But uh, we're all going to have to bet on ourselves and stick to that bet, right? Mm-hmm. What, what, a great, yeah. what a great point. Thank you. Oh. Yep. Well, gentlemen, it was nice. I thank I, you. I yeah, appreciate thank it. You. What I'm sorry, Mason, real quick. You said it was diamond what? Hands. Diamond hands. Gotcha. Yes, Beautiful. Well, uh, you guys have anything else to add? Dugan, you have anything else to add? No, I think I thought it was a really fun episode. I've been like churning uh, uh, stuff over here, making stuff. Hopefully, I wasn't too loud in the background, interrupting too much. Apologize. No, man. Our connections are iffy sometimes. You're good. Uh, but it was great. I enjoyed it and uh, looking forward to the next one. Yeah, man. Thank you all. You guys are awesome. I uh, appreciate you all for everyone listening. Thank you for your uh, uh, support. And thank you for being our ambassadors. And y'all, keep it easy. Stay easy. Stay safe. Stay dangerous. And uh, y'all have an excellent evening. All right, guys. Take it easy. You too.